Hi, I'm Kiki. And I'm Kemi. And you're listening to Your Advisors Will See You Now, a podcast that will help you to figure out all of your options for life after high school. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Your Advisor Will See You Now. Um, we have another Elon alumni um, that Kimmy and I went through gospel choir with, also another you know gospel choir rep. So we have Kylan Howard on here today. Um, Kemi and Kylan also work together. So that's how Kemi and Kylan reconnected within the last, like, well, like a couple of years, right? No, Kylan. Yeah. A few, oh, few months? Okay. So, excuse yeah. me. See, I don't know. Um, but yeah, it just, it's crazy like, how after so many years, it's been probably over eight or so years, that we're reconnecting with a lot of people for the podcast, just people that we think have really great insight about a lot of different things. Kylan has a great just story about his study abroad experience, his living abroad experience in Japan. That's why we wanted to have him on today. So I'll let you start, Kylan, just if you want to introduce yourself as well. But just give us a little bit of background about your, well, we know your, your education, but your education, what you studied undergraduate, if you've done any other degrees, and just kind of like briefly talk about your journey. We'll, of course, get into more in-depth questions. Uh, undergrad, I went to Elon and I studied international studies. During my junior year, I went abroad to Japan. I studied abroad at Kansai Gaidai University in Osaka Prefecture. Following that, I went back to Japan on the JET program, which is, which is the um, Japan Exchange Teaching Program, which is basically a Japanese government-run educational program where they hire young English teachers from like native English-speaking countries that they have like good diplomatic relationships with to teach English in public schools in Japan. Or like to work in like the like the local offices, like the local government. Um, so with that, I taught kindergarten through junior high school for two years. I lived like in this mountain village where they farm green tea. It was great. Um, <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of stories about that. We can get into that later if you want to. Please, but, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Following that, I moved to like the third largest city in Japan called Nagoya. And I worked as an admin assistant for this English teacher dispatch company. So I was kind of working in their main office, and we hired teachers from abroad to teach in uh, public and private schools in Japan. And in the last couple of years in Japan, I got my master's um, at a university in Kyoto in international relations. And then I came back to the States after about eight years. Wow. I didn't know it was that way. It makes sense. I didn't know it was that long. I didn't realize it was that long, I guess. Yeah, it was a long yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's really cool. You definitely, you visited Japan, and you literally worked there, went to school there. So you really took advantage of that live abroad experience. Mm -hmm. So I guess, let's begin right at the beginning. So why Japan? And when was the first time you, you went to Japan? Was that the first time was in college, right? Yeah, the first time I went was in college. Uh, and to answer why Japan... Uh, it was really just like out of curiosity, you know, like a lot of people that go to Japan are usually like, you know, the stereotypical like anime nerd type person, right? <laughs> but I was never really that into that stuff. I like I was into like Japanese music, kind of like when I was younger, I would hear like the, the songs at the beginning and the end of the, the, the like the Toonami shows, you know, those like are the, the ones. Inuyasha, right, right. The Inuyasha's the... <laughs> right. Um, those are so the ones. It was, it was curiosity. I was just like, I want to know what they're saying. 
So in like my high school or not in my hometown, I didn't have the opportunity to take like Japanese or Chinese or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So when I finally got to Elon, I was able to take Japanese and I just started learning about it. And I got kind of like really, you know, enamored with it. Um, And then as an international studies major, I had to study abroad. So I kind of just like focused my like my concentration around that. Mm -hmm. I just went to Japan. Oh, that's very cool. Where's your hometown? I'm just curious. Remind us, please. Annapolis, North Carolina. Okay, I forgot you're from North Carolina. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Cannapolis, stand up. Don't don't be ashamed. It's fine. Yeah, no, no. I'm not ashamed. <laughs> you're like hesitant. <laughs> no, I'm no, I'm playing. That's really cool. You said you were like required to study abroad somewhere. Um, so like, how did like Elon place you? Like how did that work with your study abroad process, I should say? Well, it kind of worked out um because Elon had a relationship with the university I went to abroad at Kansagada. Coincidentally, Clark also has a, like the same kind of relationship with that same school right now. And my old roommate from Elon that didn't exchange to Elon is now like their international, like um, their institutional relations coordinator. Wow. And so like we're, we're, work, we're working with each other from like the two different sides. It's really, it's really like crazy how it worked out that way. Elon had a relationship with Kansai Gaidai um, and then with the Watson Odyssey Scholarship, there's a pretty hefty stipend for yes. this mm-hmm. abroad. Um, so using that along with a couple of other scholarships I got, I was able to go for a full academic year. Oh, you did a whole, you did a whole academic year? I did year. a whole year. Wow. Yeah. I, feel like I feel like I'm relearning a lot, of, a lot of these things. I didn't realize it was a whole year. That's awesome. So like, yeah. talk about... Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, no, so like the year that... You, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm sorry. No, no, no. I'll let you guys go. Question. I was like, is that your first time studying abroad to like leaving the country? Yeah, I never left the country before. Wow. Yeah. You know, my boss says it a lot. She's like, you know, I'm always like fascinated with people who, you know, they don't speak another language and they've been outside the country. And then they just decide to go to like Japan or like Vietnam or something. It's randomly. I'm like, I didn't really think that hard about it. I was just like, I thought it was a cool thing to do. So I just went. Mm-hmm. Kiki, you had a question? Yeah, I was going to ask, like, so once you, once you got to Japan, like, just talk a little bit about, like, your, like, first couple of days. I mean, I'm sure this is, like, a whole, just acclimating to a whole new culture, of course. But, like, talk about the, like, first few days. Just your whole process, I guess. Like, acclimating, then getting to know the culture, getting to meet people. So I'm assuming you also, were there, were there other Elon students there as well? Yeah, so I went with, um, I think, three other Elon students. Okay. Elon students. Sorry. I, mm-hmm. yeah. I have trouble with English sometimes, to be honest. Like, like, seriously. I was a little worried about doing this recording because sometimes, like, <laughs> my words get all kinds of slurred up. Um, but I went with a few other Elon students. Um, the first few weeks, it's kind of hard to remember back because, like, I went back mm-hmm. to Japan, like, you know. Right. That was just there for so long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my very first impression of Japan was it was hot. It's extremely <laughs> humid during the summer. I arrived in August and like the level of humidity was just outrageous. Wow. And you're from North Carolina. So that yeah. means something. It's a, it's a different kind of like, I feel like in, in the South, like up until Florida is dry heat, but then, you know, you get down to Florida, then it starts to get kind of humid. But Japan, it was just like, every city is like in a mountain valley. So all of the humidity mm-hmm. is like trapped mm-hmm. 
and the, it's super overpopulated as well. So it's just mm-hmm. like people. It's really hot. It's humid. Anyway, I know it's not what you were trying. What you were trying to ask about? No, we we want it, uh, we want all the details. It's cool. Besides it being hot, it was just like it was so convenient. Like getting from the airport to the dorm, the like the public transportation, the trains, the buses, all that stuff. It was just like it was pretty cheap, and everything was really fast. Everything was extremely clean. The people were really nice. Um, you know, a question I get asked a lot about living in Japan, like as a black man, is like how, but what was that experience like? Mm-hmm. And Japanese people don't care. <laughs> to be honest, like they really just don't, they don't mm-hmm. care. Like um, I learned over time being over there that um, America kind of has like an obsession with race, you know, like there's an acknowledgement in other places that like you're different from other people, I think, mm-hmm. but America has like an obsession with it. Mm-hmm. You know? I just, I settled into the dorm. I was living with like, um, I lived with like three other Americans and two Canadians in my first semester. Um, and it was just, it was good. By, um, sorry. The program, it was kind of like a hybrid situation. So typically with study abroad programs, let me like go into, a bit into like the more professional side of things. There's like study center type programs in which you're just with a cohort of Americans and you have like this really set track of things that you do. You're always with the same staff, same people like the entire time for the most part. And then there's direct enroll in which you're basically just like a normal student at the university and you're taking classes like any other student that would go there. Kansai Gaida is a hybrid in which you have like a study center type area and you take some classes with um, other international students, but there's also Japanese students who take classes with you. You have a lot of variety in courses you can choose from. Um, you have the choice to participate in certain programming or not. Um, so within that, I was able to meet just like a huge variety of people, um, people from all over the world, and a lot of people that I still talk to right now. Um, so yeah, it was just like my horizons completely expanded beyond like, like I did not know the world was so big. Mm-hmm. Like what blackness was like expanded mm-hmm. like, ten times fold, you know. Mm. So did. How much language did you learn? And then the classes that you attended, I'm assuming they were mostly in English, right? Uh, yeah, it was a mix of, of both. Um, so I studied Japanese for two years before I went. And then uh, I was required to take Japanese classes while I was there as well. Um, I kind of placed into high intermediate. And then my second semester, I was in like lower advanced. Uh, so it was a lot of like language immersion in like the classroom um you know i had to write like my papers and all that stuff in english but like a lot of the professors even if they were foreigners they've been living in japan for a long time so they have like the problem that i have with only speaking english you know <laughs> like things that get kind of you know snuck in or different phrases and things just pop up and then you just kind of expected to roll with it um so it was a really kind of you know international experience um but the language part of it was, was huge. My first semester, I struggled a little bit because a lot of my friends were like other foreigners. And Japanese is a really hard language to learn. <laughs> um, yeah. So, you know, when you kind of get stuck with people from like the same country or who speak the same language as you, mm-hmm. it, um, it kind of stifles your growth in learning mm-hmm. that other language. But after the first, I want to say, after the first semester, and like all my friends like left because most people only do one semester abroad. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just left with the Japanese friends that I make. So 
I deepened connections with them. And after spending time with them, I became more, you know, comfortable with just like everyday speaking Japanese. Very cool. So you go ahead, Kimmy. I was going to say one props to you for deciding to go for a whole year. Cause knowing me, I would have been for, I'm like, I'm going to dip a toe in the immersion. I would have been there for one semester. It would have been a little like, I need to go home. So props right. to you for that. And then also about the academics. So did you find that the academics were slightly different than the U S academics? So like we were talking on another episode for one student, he, he was originally from India. They didn't really, do too much of like citations, MLA, APA. So did you find that there was some different expectations for education when you were there? It was actually a bit more of the opposite, I think. So because um, the program kind of integrated a lot of the Japanese students, uh, there were Japanese students who were intending to go and study abroad, maybe like the following semester or the following year. So it was kind of like they were taking classes on our level in order to prepare themselves to go to universities in the States. Hmm. So there was like a really big focus on like proper writing etiquette, proper presentation etiquette, things like that in English. So there was no like slack in the academic area mm-hmm. for, for me at least. I know in a lot of programs um, that are kind of more mixed like that, they do kind of lower the expectations a little bit in order to make things easier on people who like maybe aren't natives in a certain language. Um, but I don't think Gai Dai, Kansai Gai Dai, is like that. That's interesting. Yeah, because I know for where we work, for the graduate program, since it's a graduate degree program, they a lot of the professors, like they're like, we want to bring you to the level for that we expect for you. So mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. they really want, like the like you said before, like the grammar and just the writing style. That's something that they do heavily emphasize as well. Kiki, you had a question? Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm jumping ahead, but um, I was going to ask, so after you did your year, so you said you did that, so that was junior year. Yeah. Okay, so you did Elon for you, you were there for your senior year. And then, so what happened after senior year? Like, did you work in this, did you work in North Carolina or the States for a little bit, or you went right back to I Japan? I went right back to Japan. So the crazy thing is, I was um, kind of thinking about, you know, questions, what that, whatnot that might pop up during the um, podcast mm-hmm. and you know the whole idea of comparing working in the states versus working in japan um is like a part of it and i don't really have a whole lot of experience working in the states my entire professional <laughs> background has been in japan mm-hmm. um, like the current job i have is my first professional job working in the united states um yeah. Uh, do you like it? No. <laughs> you trying to move back? <laughs> uh, no, there's a lot of there's a lot of differences in terms of just general everyday etiquette and um, kind of expectations for like what professionalism is. And in Japan, um, uh, uh, like effort, effort, like showing in translation, effort, I know. <laughs> like constant, consistent unbending effort is like the expectation even if you have nothing to do you're supposed to be trying to find something to do you are supposed to be trying to look look busy um depending on someone's social standing in comparison to you the way you change and you behave toward them is supposed to be different you know it's just an expectation um but then coming to the states where everything is much more relaxed um you know me and my boss talk to each other in very casual terms 
Uh, you know, when I first started working here, I came in, you know, uh, button up, long sleeve shirt and a tie like every day. Uh, and then now, like, I'll come in like with a sweater. Like, I can wear like piercings and all the kinds of stuff. It's just it's completely completely different. And I like it. To be honest, I, I like it a lot. The I like the social dynamics of Japan more in terms of everyday. Um, things like, I don't know, with people you randomly meet or with friends. But in terms of the work environment, America takes it 100%. Wow. I remember what the, the original question was. I don't know, but I find that insightful too because I feel sometimes I always, I think that's, I think, I just think this is great. Hopefully, my rambling makes some kind of understanding. But I've definitely heard like some Americans like we overwork really hard, but then I'll probably hear that from American who maybe went to some part of Europe. You know what I mean? Yeah, so maybe yeah, they yeah. had the experience compared to the Europe comparison. But this is great to hear your perspective coming from like I only worked in Japan. Now I work in the US. So this kind of enables us to also see like, well, yeah, there are obviously good parts to working in the United States where we're from. Um, but it's so hard for us because we only know this one experience, you know? Right. Um, I completely agree with that. And um, yeah, because like the whole idea of like being overworked and all this stuff, from my perspective, living in a country and like, you know, working in a country where there's a literal like social issue of people working themselves to literal death, mm-hmm. you know, and then, coming that, back yeah. here, mm-hmm. and then coming back here um, and like somebody like maybe works like half an hour overtime and they're like, I can't believe they're making me do this, you know, all this other stuff. And like, they're getting paid for it and all this stuff. I'm like, you have no idea. <laughs> you have no idea how good um, it is compared to a lot of other places in the world. But I understand um, in comparison to Europe where, you know, workers' rights are like top priority. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard France is where it's at. I heard uh, yeah. some student from France, they were talking about all the benefits from working there. And I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. But I, and I think it's just also great, too, just to talk, to have friends and just communicate with people from different, from different nationalities or from all over the world because you're able to get these different perspectives. And you're able to say, oh, life is different outside my bubble and from my life mm-hmm. experience. Because I think like what you just said, someone who's complaining about half an hour compared to if you're coming from somewhere else where you're not going to get paid extra you're just expected and they're really working hard it really makes me want to be humbler and shut up <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> so yeah it's true i follow this guy on yeah. youtube his name is paolo from tokyo and uh, he yeah, does yeah. yeah i was gonna i was gonna ask if you know who he is he does like a lot of well the, he does like day in the life videos mm-hmm. of different like employees or workers in, in Japan. It's really cool, like very insightful, but it's, it seems like the culture is like trying to be like still professional, of course, but maybe more relaxed, but it's just a lot of stuff I've, I learned. But yeah, how like they do, like you said, interacting with like other colleagues versus your supervisor or clients, things like that. It's really interesting. Cause yeah, we are here, like here we are very relaxed. Um, and there's, I don't know, there's like respect, but it's like respect based on, maybe the wrong things here. So I really like, I really enjoy that channel because I've just learned a whole lot about a different culture. Like, can we say like, all we know is working here or like living here too. For now. For now. For now. But yeah. <laughs> I know actually, yeah. I actually, um, Callan doesn't know I'm actually moving abroad actually. So that's why I'm taking some of this information in for myself as well. 
What? Where are we going? Where are you going? Well, I'll stay after we're recording because it's okay, going to be a okay. surprise because by okay. the time that this airs, I'll actually be there. So, and viewers, send us like an email or send a DM on our Instagram if you want to guess where I'm going. If you're right, maybe we'll give you a little something. I don't know. But I'll let you know afterwards. Okay. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just find it. And I'm going also to a country that English is not the first language either. So, mm. and so kind of going back to maybe like study abroad or when you were after you graduated college. So how did you adjust to that? Like you, you're born and this is your first time out of the United States. So how did you kind of adjust to that? Was there any kind of homesickness? Did you ever get to a point where you're like, oh man, my language isn't great. I'm feeling kind of frustrated at myself. Maybe I should retreat and go home. Like what were kind of some different ways of culture that you had to adapt to and like how you were responding to it? I definitely had a few moments where I was kind of low, um, but they usually weren't related to language as much as um, kind of feeling isolated. So I told you that I worked in uh, kind of like this mountain village where they farm green tea. So there was very little public transportation. I had to get a, I had, had to like get a car. So like I drove in Japan, like on the opposite side of the street in the little tiny, little tiny box cars that they have. <laughs> And, you know, just kind of being separated from, I guess, society sometimes got to me a little bit. But, and then also, yeah, the language, maybe at first it did bother me a little bit. But because of the location I was in, I had to use Japanese so much on a regular basis. You ever seen like that meme of like the dog who's like being like, who's like drinking water from like the the what are those things called? Like the spray things that like the water, the garden, you know? And it's like, this is what learning a language in another country is like, because you kind of just like, you can't like turn off the, the, the input basically. Yeah. Um, because I got to Japan and I realized very quickly that while I was supposed to be the like ALT, the assistant language teacher, I was actually the main English teacher in most cases. And so the kids didn't understand me if I only spoke to them in English. So mm-hmm. I had to like learn to teach partially in Japanese. So like learning to instruct in Japanese helped me just to kind of, you know, overall get better at the language. And as I got better with the language, I found that, you know, immersing myself and like getting close to people was a lot easier. Because, um, you know, the Eastern part of the world, people are much more like, they really, really value like their, their bubble, like their personal space bubble, you know, and then also their kind of like their social circles, you know, Mm -hmm. like you have a social circle, like these are your people, these are the people that you show your, your true self to, and you don't really show much of that to other people. Like everyone else gets like, um, like the, the obligatory you, you know, Mm -hmm. social expectations. Right. Excuse me. So you're supposed to behave toward people a very specific way. And the people who are within your circle, you can show more of your true self to. Um, And it's really hard to get to that level with somebody if you can't communicate with them on, you know, the same level or in the same language. Mm -hmm. Um, So I encountered a lot of issues with that when there weren't other foreigners around, where it was hard to, like, get close to people just because of the language initially. And then as... I got better with the language. It became a lot easier. 
what was the original question again? It was about being, feeling isolated, feeling homesick. I really didn't feel homesick often. Um, yeah, and that's, prob- that's probably just me. And <laughs> you know, it's, it's weird, too, because like, I, I really love my family. I'm also like an only child, mm-hmm. um, raised by a single mom. So we're, like, we're really, really, really close. And like, I'm close to the rest of my family as well. But I just really enjoyed living there. I didn't feel the need to really come back. I was like, come and visit me. Like, come and see what, like, what I'm experiencing, you know? Mm-hmm. Did your mom ever come visit you? She did. She did. Um, she came to visit me when I was, like, four years in. Wow. I went back before then. Yeah. But she came to visit me, um, and she, like, came to school with me a couple of days. She met a lot of my friends. We went and traveled around to a few different places. And... She was like, I get it, you know, like, I get it. Like you have a good, a good life here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like really gratifying because we did have a few moments where she was like, I really want you to come home. And I was like, I really don't want to go home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? I like the, like, I like the perspective that you're giving. Like, I mean, I don't, I mean, I know where you like, where we wanted you on here to compare he, like, you know, being in the States to your study abroad experience, but I think you're doing, like, it's, I don't know, it's like a really, it's enlightening, but a very, like, humble, like, perspective. Like, you, you know, really integrated. And a lot of, a lot of times when people, I mean, I don't know, I think you really just enjoyed yourself is what I can see. Like, you, like you didn't have homesickness, which is may, maybe that's an outlier for a lot of people, but it seems like you really just fit in. And I'm sure there were experiences that weren't as easy like off the bat, and you've mentioned some of them, but I don't know. I can't. I can't think of the word right now that I'm trying to trying to say. But I'm really like enjoying hearing you, like very gent. Like there's like a, a gentleness about how you're sharing your experience about Japan. But I think that also is the culture there. Like it's like you know, it's a high. I know it's like a high intensity like work environment, but um, they're like there's a lot Balances, of respect for oh. Japanese people with their culture too. Yeah. It balances out. Um, I would say that, like, in the social aspect, one of the beautiful things about it is that, like, Japan, it's, like, it's a really clean place. It's a really safe place. People, you know, I feel like in the States we have this thing about, you know, like, I hate to, like, use this term, like, keeping it real, you know? Like, you're supposed to, like, (laughs) you know, um, I don't know, like, you're expected, like, if you don't really show people who you are, like, all the time, it's like you're being fake, right? Mm-hmm. And then that makes it so that you're valued more if you're, you know, authentic all the time, right? Ah, uh, like the, in, the U.S. mentality of, like, independent kind of... Right, 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 right. Mm-hmm. Whereas in Japan, the idea is, is that we have this thing called WA, which is social harmony, Right. And in order to maintain this harmony, which I think is very clear that Japan actually like has like a level of like actual social harmony, which is really rare in the world, right? Mm-hmm. These are the things that we have to do as a society and as individuals in order to maintain it, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes that means you kind of have to suppress yourself a bit. Um, but that's also the reason why like you see so many like really unique and like weird things that come out of Japan. I think like 
it's not all good, obviously. Sometimes people mm-hmm. express themselves to, you know, the point that they're, you know, experiencing depression and things like that. But other times it's like I have I don't show myself all the time every day in social interactions, but then I can put it into my art, you know. Um, so I don't know, I really learned to value um, kind of being, I don't know, neutral toward people, okay. you know, and uh, only giving as much as I need to with it in social interactions, you know. Okay. Yeah. So, so now you're saying this, I think the word came to me, maybe, like, you know, when we talk about study abroad, it's like, oh, I did this, I did that. Like, I talk, like, we talk, like, talk about our experiences. I feel like you're you're coming at it from like a very like a mental like the mental part of studying abroad, which we maybe don't hear about yeah. as much. Like how it affected you mentally, and like yeah, this sounds like a very like harmony like harmonious experience that you mm-hmm. had while you studied abroad there. Even like I love Japanese food. I've been going to the same restaurant since I was like seven here, um, like somewhere locally. But even like that, like they remember me, they know me, but like the respect that you get, you know, from that culture is one that you know, I can like step into that restaurant and it just feels like different for a moment. And you like yeah. come back out, you know, and I, you know, yeah. we're in the South, so it's a little bit different, but um, no, I, I'm like really appreciating what you're, like how you're sharing what you experienced while you were there. Yeah. yeah. Um, the, there was something else I was about to say and it's kind of like, it's, it's escaping me. But no, there's just like a lot of, there are a lot of things like philosophically that are just very different from America, you know, that you learn when you go to different places that very much change like the way that you view things. And like Mm -hmm. one thing that I learned is kind of like your um, perspective or like the the world you, you have around you is kind of like built partially by how you perceive things, you know, um, and kind of like understanding that changed a lot of how I, you know, view, view just a lot, a lot of stuff. Like it's mm-hmm. allowed me to have like a lot more grace as just like as a human being. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that one. I feel as though you're, when you're able to step out of your bubble, you're able to show you're able to stop dehumanizing people and thinking this is what they all believe. It's like, no, let's show a little grace. Everybody is a human on this earth. We're just going through different experiences. And right. Though- and especially... Yeah. I'm sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but like, especially like um, going to a place where you're a, a super minority, you know, like even within the minorities, you're like a super, super minority, like yeah. less than like 0.1% of the population is like the same ethnicity as you, like let alone the same race as you, like the same, like coming from the same country while also being like the same ethnicity. It's like you barely ever meet anybody that's the same, has the same background as you. Coming from that... Um, like living in that type of environment, it makes sense kind of to like run into somebody who like would ask a question that in the States would be viewed as like out of pocket. Like right. why is like one side of your hand darker than the other one? You know, like why is it like a lot of times like my, my students would ask like, you know, sensei, why is like the back of your hand dark and then the, the other side of your hand white? Or like, why is your hair like that? Or, you know, just like, a lot of questions like that that had come from this place of like innocent ignorance, mm-hmm. you know, and sometimes that translates into adults as well. Like I learned that like I can't really expect for people to to just know stuff 
and especially know you as a black man from the United States, that particular perspective, like yeah. experience to know you shouldn't navigate in this kind of way, in this kind of conversation. Because why right. would they? They don't see anybody that looks like you, so why would they know? <laughs> exactly. Um, and then also, like, knowing that for a lot of people, I was the first person or maybe even, like, the last person that they're going to encounter that looks like me. So, like, having that knowledge, it's like, how do you approach it? Approach it differently than, you know, you would coming from where you come from. Right. Because if that happened in the States, you'd say, uh, what? (laughs) (laughs) Versus if you're going abroad and someone's seen you for the first time and you're like, oh, he's not trying to. So, okay, I guess I... I, I they guess. just don't know. Yeah, they literally they just don't, don't know. know. Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. don't know. And then sometimes people are, like, really, really, um, like, overzealously kind of, like, into, like, Black culture. And they'll approach you, you know, the yo-yos and the, all the kinds <laughs> of stuff. Do you know this rapper? Do you know this person? Do you like this, that, and the other thing? And... I sounds like here, too. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, um, but even with those types of people, like, I had to, like, think to myself as well. I was like, okay, I have stereotypes about Japanese people as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I made a lot of assumptions about, like, things that Japanese people like and don't like, or, like, what they, they do and all those types of things. And then I went and taught at a Japanese school, and I learned that, like, them kids can be just as ratchet as ours, if not worse. <laughs> That's hilarious. Like, I could tell you, so I, when I was doing that administrative assistant job, I uh, was also like, was called like a cover teacher. So I was working in the office doing like, you know, like HR related stuff and managerial stuff and like helping develop these things and like helping like contracts for it. There was just so many different jobs within that one job. One part of it was also like being a substitute teacher, basically. So like sometimes people couldn't handle their jobs because the school was in like a rough area and they would mm-hmm. just like up and leave the country just like out of nowhere. And wow. then I would have to go and take their place for like a month. <laughs> I'd be frightened. <laughs> right. But, but also keep in mind, like I'm almost I'm almost six foot. So in Japan, I'm like a really large person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so like they would send me to like some of those rougher areas and I would see like kids like punching windows out of the, the, the classroom or like throwing chairs at teachers are shooting fireworks off of the roof of the building and like Nuh-uh. all the kinds of stuff like yeah so like the you know <laughs> that stereotypical view of like you know kids in japan like being in their uniforms and being mm-hmm. like, paved <laughs> and you know being super respectful like that's not that's not really true like kids are kids everywhere and mm-hmm. everyone has to kind of grow into being you know, a fully functional adult, regardless of where you come from. Mm. That's awesome. I like that. And I think, I think you only really awarded that understanding when you travel abroad, because we're given so much, we have the internet, but we're only given so much information. And if you're not living it yourself, you can't really see these experiences to really understand it. Cause like you said, if you look at the media that we get from Japan, it is like you said, I'm expecting students to be very well behaved, falling in line with their their school uniforms. I don't, I haven't watched much media or any movies that portray anything else. So, 
Yeah, like me and Kiki, we did like a episode on like taking a gap year and maybe thinking of going abroad. And we were saying like, it really does change your mind. It changes like the way you perceive things. Even just people, if they're not able to travel abroad financially, even if they can just go a couple of states over and just see that life is different than yourself, it really is able, it allows you to reflect on yourself and how you are as a person, how you're serving your community and how you're operating in this world. Absolutely. And this is really, really good. I mean, I, I guess like to, to tie it all in, if you have anything else you want to share, definitely. But just any advice you would have for students, of course, you know, wanting to study abroad, just any advice that you can share? I mean, you share like a lot of great advice, but maybe like the process of like choosing a country. And I think that's pretty obvious, but choosing a program maybe or living, things like that. Housing, I should say. Yeah. Um... Let me get my like professional like study abroad like advisor like hat on. Yeah. Try to think of how to uh, surmise everything. So typically, for a, a student that's looking to go abroad, what we look at is we kind of compare our approved program list, which is basically a list of programs where we know students are going to get a good um, level of like rigorous, you know, academic um, exposure mm-hmm. or you know, experience, where they're going to be supported, you know, both physically, mentally, uh, where they're going to be safe, all those things. And then also make sure that that's going to fit into what they have um, for like their major requirements. So like a lot of times kids who are in STEM or like business or things like that have a hard time studying abroad just because Mm -hmm. they have very specific requirements that they can't meet um, outside of the states or outside of their institution right so it's kind of like a matching game really and then um trying to fit that together with what the, stu- the, the student wants like where they want to go what they're interested in what they have a background in sometimes like a lot of study abroad students are kind of heritage seekers you know people whose parents have migrated to the states from somewhere else and they want to go back to where their family originates from um, so we get like a lot of heritage, heritage seekers every semester. It's like a balancing game. But once you figure that out, there's also the funding part of, part of it. And, you know, the way that every school kind of handles things is a little bit differently. At our school, um, our students just pay tuition to the school as per normal. And then like their housing and travel costs, uh, food costs and all that stuff will be like their responsibility. Um, but then there are just like tons and tons of scholarship opportunities for study abroad, which I feel like I cannot leave this podcast without talking about. Um, if you are listening to this and you wait, are, are the people listening to this high school students or are they in, in undergrad? We want them to be high school students. And, we, okay. if not, and if not, it's mostly parents that are going to go back and share this with their high school students or their children and what have you. Spit the okay. knowledge. Spit the knowledge. <laughs> well, when you get into college. If you are a Pell Grant recipient and you want to go study abroad, please apply for the Gilman Scholarship. It is such a huge amount of money that can make or break a study abroad experience. It can, like, it's between $5,000 to $7,000, depending on whether or not you also apply for a critical language, like, scholarship part of it as well. Mm -hmm. And a critical language scholarship is basically, um, it's a scholarship for... Languages that the United States deems being critical for our, um, like, national, like, wellness, security, things of that nature, right? 
So Japanese being that is spoken like very like a few, there aren't very many people who speak it. Um, is counted among the critical language list. So when I studied abroad, I got the Gilman Scholarship, mm. and I got like the full seven thousand mm. dollars, and uh, it really came in handy because I stayed for a year, and I didn't realize that during the kind of the intermission between the two semesters, I had like a separate housing bill. So that mm. extra money actually allowed me to not be on the street uh, for <laughs> like a month and a half. Wow. Uh, yeah. When you say um, it like that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the good thing about scholarships is like they're not going to like tell you, oh, you have too much scholarship money. Right? Like you, you can win as many scholarships as you want. Just like apply for as many as you possibly can. And there are all types of them out there. Just like if you're studying like frog, like, I don't know, toxins in the Amazon rainforest between the years 1970 and 1974, you know, there's going to be some kind of random like foundation that will give you like 300 bucks or something just to, to study it, you know, or just because you're studying it. So be creative in your, your Google searches. And then also, if you're, if you're still kind of considering whether or not you want to go straight into college um, or if you want to take or if you want to go to university in the States at all, there are a lot of different foreign government sponsored programs for students to do like a year, like a gap year, to just do like a research project, to do a language course. I told you guys before that I got my master's in Japan. So mm-hmm. the uh, Japanese government has a scholarship called the, the MEX, just the Ministry of Education Scholarship. And you, they pay for everything if you get it. Um, so like my housing, um, my food, visas, all this stuff, with my tuition, everything was, was paid for. And they give you a monthly stipend to like, live off of. And within that, you have the, the option of like, taking a language course for a year or to do like, just a research project for a year. Mm. You could do a master's course. You could go through to, through to a PhD. So if you just look into it, you'll never know what you're going to find. I know I just mm-hmm. randomly found out about that scholarship as, as well. Um, students in the U.S. are really kind of um, lacking in knowledge, I would say, about how many opportunities there are abroad. Like, there's just so many things abroad in the U.S. Like, while you know, everyone says like the U.S. is the best in this, the best in that, there are a lot of places where you can get an extremely high level, like quality education outside of the U.S. Mm-hmm. And that experience that you get there like if you decide to come back you can come back i'm living proof and no matter how obscure it is as well if you're thinking oh i'm studying a language that people only speak in one in one country i came back to the states and got this job at this university and then they were like hey we need an extra japanese teacher so now i'm teaching japanese part-time as well wow you know so there's just so many things out there so many different ways that things can develop and you never know what's going to happen so just you know take the leap i just love that you said you're uh you teach japanese part-time so do you get any reactions when your students walk into class and they see a tall black man teaching japanese (laughs) like that's not what i signed (laughs) up for (laughs) right uh no because the the lead like japanese teacher at clark as well is like this like tiny old white woman She's she's wonderful though. She's <laughs> she's, she's great. Um, 
but there aren't any like there's very few Japanese people at Clark right now, especially because of COVID. Mm. And they were like, we really need somebody else to teach Japanese. You have like a certification in the language, like up to this level, so you can teach beginners level. <laughs> Please do it. And so I was like, okay, I'll, I'll take the money. Yeah. But no, I mean, the experience that's that's really that's like really cool. I mean, like you just share, like you're sharing like a lot of just like when you immerse yourself in something, how opportunities can arise. I think it's really helpful. Like something that Kimmy and I always say um, is just like do your research. And I think sometimes we just don't know like what to look at. But you said like in I've heard this before too, like scholarships, they have them for anything. And yeah. I feel like maybe when we were applying to school. We just didn't know about as many of them. And right. there's a lot of funds that get left or like that are remaining because people don't apply to them just because they don't know. But literally, if you play, if you like do curling, I'm just thinking because like Winter Olympics, if you do curling, there could yeah. be a scholarship for that. So you were like really touched on something that we, like I said, harp on a lot is just do your research, especially like if you want to go abroad. Because I can only imagine the opportunities. The, the knowledge that we can bring from here that, you know, can be used there and the knowledge that we can learn and gain there, like quality, like you said, quality experiences in other countries as well is really and important. And it'll be cheaper. Oh, yeah, that absolutely. Yeah, I, I would, and I, it'll I, be cheaper. Yeah, I tell Kemi, I, I went to high school with somebody who studied abroad, or she didn't study abroad, she went to college in Scotland. And all of us were like going to these schools like here and we're like, oh, why is she going to Scotland? But she paid like a fraction of what we paid to go to college yeah. here. So you're absolutely right. Um, I was thinking too, like funding. I just, I, I didn't think about it. When I was, so I was also, Kylan showed his sweatshirt. I was, I'm a rep Watson Odyssey too, because I was a Watson scholar, but we got a stipend to study abroad. And I looked for like the place that could fit the, like the amount of money that I got. Cause I think they gave, like there was like a list that, you know, you could see how much everything costs. I literally didn't know. But you also mentioned to fitting it into your degree program. I was a Spanish minor, so studying abroad in Costa Rica helped me to fulfill my minor. But I would have never thought about like looking for other funding opportunities. I was just like, whatever this pays for, I'll go. And I asked, and they're like, oh, yeah, it'll help finish your minor, things like that. But there's so much money out in the world, like literally so much. So thank you for sharing that and like really specifying how students can look for stuff like study abroad, undergrad masters gap year programs that's really important that's like what we want people to hear through this podcast so i love it yeah i just have one final question too because okay. you you've lived abroad for literally eight years now how has it been you know coming back to the u.s and like assimilating back to u.s culture how has that been for you so i said before that in the workplace it's been I would say that's a better experience overall, um, just because it's more relaxed. I don't feel nearly as much anxiety on a daily basis working in the States as I did in Japan. I think also just like the language aspect of it just helps out a lot because, you know, it's my native language. I don't have to worry about whether or not I'm speaking at the proper level for net formality for talking to the principal of the school that I just arrived at. You know, I, it's a lot of it is a lot more you know trivialized. But on the social level here, I honestly, I loved not having to think about things like race, religion, I don't know, like sexuality, all those things. Like, it's really interesting because Japan, like, is viewed as being, like, um, 
a really kind of like conservative country, right? But when it comes to like those really those, those things that kind of divide people in the states, most of the time people in Japan are like, "Oh, you're kind of different." Okay, and they just go on about their business. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like, "Oh, the, you're a Christian." Great. In the U.S., that is not an option. You like right? You like the color pink? Well, I got something to tell you how I feel. That's exactly exactly how U.S. culture is. We can't just. Be like, okay, we have some... Can't let it be. Yeah. Can't let it be. Or we can't even say, you know what? We just have to agree to disagree. We can't even just right. it like that. We got to be like, nah, bruh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I love the fact that, you know, living in Japan, it just never... Things didn't become arguments. Like, people would just mm-hmm. have genuine, you know, curious curiosity about, you know, different subjects. And they would ask mm-hmm. who, you know, in-depth questions after a while. But it didn't become uh, an argument. It wasn't like a... a it, it wasn't means for contention mm-hmm. in most cases. Um, and I find that here you have to kind of walk on eggshells a lot more about things that you say a lot. And I guess I'm just not used to people being kind of like very hyper sensitive to like everything. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's interesting. It's interesting. I'm still, I'm still adjusting to it. Yeah. But also like you were 20, like you probably like 20 when you, like first, yeah, the first Japan, time right? I went, yeah, I was, yeah. So uh, I mean, I yeah, a lot of like your, even though you, I know you were, you know, you grew up here in the states, but a lot of your, like even like more yeah. so formative years in uh, being exactly. a teenager, you did it abroad. So right. you're coming back here as an adult, and you're like, oh, like I mean, I could, I could only imagine how different, <laughs> different yeah. it is. I came, I really like came into adulthood in Japan, mm-hmm. and. Also, there's just been so many social developments in the States over, like, mm. throughout the time that I was gone mm-hmm. that I just kind of missed. So there's like social, social cues and things that I just don't always pick up on, you know? <laughs> um, my, my, my boss always says that like, I'm kind of like an exchange student. That's <laughs> like, like, I, like, I'm an exchange student here. coming back to this. Right, I'm from here, but like I, I'm like an exchange student, like coming to the states, you know, because like it's just like I don't get some things. I'm like, why, are, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I find myself asking questions about things a lot, and I'm like always trying to find somebody like a, like a, like a safe person to ask a question. To. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. But it, like, if you, like, if you want, like, you want to know, like you, like you need yeah. to know. So I just need to know so I can growth. survive. <laughs> exactly that's so funny like i just have a question i'm not trying to be ignorant i'm not trying to start argument i just need to right. know yeah i just want to know is this okay yes or that's no valid. i don't want to fight i just don't know <laughs> i just want to know <laughs> that's valid that's like no I just, I just thought about that i was like your formative like adult years weren't here so that's like yeah that's really really cool to to think about well i have one last question i guess we're gonna wrap it up um okay. what was your favorite food in japan because i know japanese food that we get here is not like it's not the same. Oh, there. Yes. It's atrocious. It is so bad. Oh my god. I have not found a single like sushi restaurant that just like serves like normal sushi. It just it drives me crazy. Like what is this spicy mayo thing? What yeah, is it? Yeah, I know. It like I, I, um, I actually, I actually and like cream that. Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> and like cream cheese, that's is that I'm sure it's not a thing over no. there. No. Okay, yeah, I don't know. No. Wait, you got to come down to North Carolina. I'll take you to the most authentic place I've ever been to, like Japanese restaurant when, I've ever been to. Yeah, when I get back, when I go back home, next time I go, I go back home, I have to, to hit you up. Yeah. Um, my, favorite, my favorite Japanese food is ramen, but specifically 
It's called tonkotsu ramen. So tonkotsu means it's like pork bone, pork bone. So like they basically boil the pork bones and like they make a soup out of it. And like you know, every place has every shop has their like own recipe and everything. Um, and just like a pro tip, the smellier it is, the better it's going to taste. Um, okay. <laughs> go and get All right. some. All right. No, that sounds good. So the place I go to, probably, they always have like, on. well, I think every day they do like specials. And they always have like some kind of like ramen bowl type thing. I don't mm -hmm. eat pork, but I eat like the chicken. What's the chicken cuts? Like, chi I'm not saying it right. I know. The but chicken like the chicken. Yeah, yeah. yeah, is that what it's called? Yeah, they do that. I love that stuff. And um, I can say this too. Is it called Gyudon? It's like the beef and rice. Gyudon, yeah. Yeah, I'm a yeah, show yeah, off yeah. here. So I love Japanese food. Y'all better go ahead. I don't know nothing. <laughs> I don't we know have to introduce Kimmy. I'm gonna, <laughs> when, you, when you say you're leaving, you gotta I, like... I'm leaving soon, dude. I'm actually leaving um, in a month. I'm leaving soon. Yeah, I'm leaving soon. Um, yeah, y'all better. I mean, I can come up there. No, y'all, like, take her somewhere. Well, you said. Can you can you make Japanese food? Nah, I don't really cook. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, I, I, think say... a, I think a good takeaway to know from this whole entire thing is if I ever go to Japan, I am not asking for no spicy mayo. <laughs> right, they're, they're nah. going to be like... What is that? Mayonnaise? Huh? <laughs> on the sushi? Like, <laughs> they, put mayonnaise on, <laughs> they put mayonnaise on like everything else except for sushi. And in the States, get the one thing that they don't put mayonnaise on and then put <laughs> mayonnaise all over it. I'm like... What? Yeah, who did that? We're going to have to find them because... Atrocious. But Atrocious. <laughs> that's, that's so, that, this has been really fun just to learn, like to reconnect with you, Kylan, and to thank you so much for sharing your experience, for coming on. Um, no, it's yeah, been good just, catching up. Yeah, no, this is really cool. We'll definitely have to stay in touch. But thank you so much for being on the podcast, for joining us. Maybe we'll find something else to have you talk about in another episode. But yeah, thank you. Do you want, well, I'll let Kemi wrap it up. Yeah, no, Kiki, I think <laughs> you just said it. Maybe I'm trying to think of another episode we could have him on. Maybe we could have you mostly talk about, because you do, you do work in the study abroad department too. So yes. we should probably definitely have you come back on for parents that want their students to take that opportunity what's mm -hmm. next and you know families are probably a little nervous too like their child's going off somewhere and they're not oh yeah them. i know about this yeah yeah <laughs> so that will probably be something we'll have to have you on for too to speak to that too Definitely. yeah i would love to come back anytime oh thanks kylan thanks so much awesome yeah, so welcome thank you kylan and thank you everyone for listening in we hope you listen to the next one and we'll see you soon Thank you everyone for tuning in and listening to the latest episode of Your Advisors. We'll see you now. Please make sure to follow us on all of our social media pages and check out our website. Take a look at the show notes below. And please make sure to subscribe and share this podcast. Also show us some love and please leave a five-star review. Catch you next time. See ya.